hello Swifties welcome back to the evolution of a snake I'm Zach and I'm Madeline and today we are going to be talking about Olivia Rodrigo now this is kind of a legendary groundbreaking moment for us because this is the first time we've devoted a whole episode to someone else other than this bitch that we have been talking about for three years um, I thought we should start off with a vibe check because I feel like people are going to be confused as to why we want to discuss Olivia Rodrigo, but Madeline and I have been percolating on doing an episode about this for quite some time. Um, what are your overarching thoughts on Olivia, Madeline? Um, I always say that I'm decently indifferent. Um, the thing is that I actually had to mute her name on Twitter um, <clears throat> because <laughs> that sounds like I hate her, but I don't. The reason that I had to mute her is because um, she's sort of like all pervasive and every single 10 tweets is a tweet about Olivia Rodrigo. And um, I could sense in my heart that I was getting fucking irritated with her. So I just had to mute her because I didn't want to be a fucking 28 year old adult who's over here getting mad at a 17 year old girl because she's on Twitter all the fucking mm, time. Well, you so I, would so be, <laughs> you'd be one of the rare ones <laughs> given that yeah. everyone is either so obsessed with loving or hating her. I feel like we both kind of fall somewhere in between on the spectrum. I will exactly. say that I feel like you lean more towards the irritated by her side than I do. Um, I think she's I mean like she's a teen is to me like she's a teen I find it hard to get invested in the music of a teen at my age in this stage of my life do you feel the same way yeah I mean that's how I feel too and the other thing is like I feel like it's different for you because uh you're a man like I have to tell you there's something like once you get to a certain age like 25 plus and you're a woman seeing like a fucking 17 year old uh it's a fucking super skinny super pretty 17 year old girl who's very talented makes me want to fucking punch her in the face like it's just <laughs> it's 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 a woman mind that's exactly not what a person like thing. i can't I, I can't be doing it because it's just too much and like if i liked the music it'd be one thing but i don't mm. so it's like i have absolutely nothing to stop me from hating her other than sheer determination Yes, and That's like the, a greater moral compass than your like most basic fear instincts to uh, destroy right. her. Um, right. But yeah, so we're going to talk about her because um, obviously this is a podcast about Taylor Swift, as you all very well know by now. Um, but we, I would say, are in tune with what the public sentiment is on Taylor Swift at any given moment in time. And I think that in the last year or so, Olivia's name has come up many, many, many times in reference to her being some sort of descendant or disciple of Taylor Swift. And I think, I just don't think that the characterization of her as the next coming of Swiftian songwriting iconicness is true. And it's unfair too, because like an impossible standard to live up to. Nobody, I, I repeat, nobody is ever going to be the next Taylor Swift because they, you just can't do it. It's just it's not a special like sauce. level of success and longevity that she has had is like insane. 
and trying to put Olivia up to that fucking standard is like grossly unfair. Even mm-hmm. just like, not even like in terms of the success, but also in terms of the actual raw bare bones talent of a songwriter. She just doesn't have it. And it's not, it's not I'm not like shitting on her. She yep. can write songs, but nobody can write songs as well as Taylor can. And expecting her to do that, it's, she's never going to be able to do it. So. It's true. And I, I think that she wasn't quite prepared for what comparing herself so indirectly because she's a big fan, right? She talks about Taylor all the time. She loves her. She's an inspiration to her. She was a forebear spiritually. But I don't think that she understood that once you make a claim like that, because it's Taylor Swift and because of her fans and the nature of like who they are. And to be honest, there was a massive migration of Taylor Swift fans to Olivia Rodrigo fans. There's definitely like a huge crossover there. That is going to shackle her (laughs) forever. She will regret (laughs) comparing herself to Taylor Swift ever. Because like you said, it's an impossible standard to live up to, both from a commercial and an artistic point of view. So today on our docket is we're going to talk about Sour as a record, as a debut record specifically. We're going to talk about the Sour tour, the Grammys, and why, you know, further elaborate on why comparing the two of them is not helpful to either one. And also do a little bit of speculation on their true relationship. And that is just a little bit of gossip. That's just, that's just for us to have. Um, <laughs> that's just a little morsel for us. <laughs> that's just a little snack for us to enjoy while we deliver you the goods. Um, so I guess we'll start with Sour so we can break down the album a little bit. I'm sure everybody listening knows what the album is, what the songs are, what her vibe is. But, you know, we'll just break it down for them. So there were five singles. It came out in May of 2021. Very, very soon after her first single came out. So her first single came out, I believe in January, 2021, and she had a full length debut ready to go four months later. I did not get the impression that the album was ready and finished when Driver's License came out, as opposed to someone like Taylor Swift on her debut record, who I think had the entire body of work kind of more or less finished before she started shopping around singles and going to radio. Um, So that's one difference. It was massively successful. We're talking like a huge debut for a brand new artist. Um, To be fair, though, she had the Disney machine behind her, which I think changes things a little bit. So she had Driver's License, License, Deja Vu, Good For You, Traitor, and Brutal as the singles. Um, She had two number one hits off of her debut album. And just for context, it took Taylor until Red to get her first number one. That's because she was doing country music, though. That's because she was doing country music. So it debuts at number one on the Billboard album charts. It's got 72,000 in physical sales, which is quite a lot, given, you know, that her audience is largely TikTok people who hardly ever listen to a song in its full length outside of a snippet. Um, The album is literally less than 35 minutes long. There are 11 tracks and the album cycle is extremely protracted for a new artist. Clearly she had budget going into this. Um, I mean, even Driver's License, which I guess was like the most DIY moment on the record, still felt as though it was a moment. And I feel like the execution of the marketing strategy to make it go viral was so, it was too, it was too perfect to be like entirely organic. Um, So I think that there was definitely, Mm. you know, some strategic planning going on there. We're talking about plants, Um, you know, maybe she could be one of them. I mean, she was an identified talent with a proven track record let me me ask you a question how is she still like entrenched within disney or is she not she's not signed to a disney label 
she's not signed to a Disney label. She's signed to the same label as Taylor, lol. Um, but she Oh, I didn't um, know that. She signed oh, to Universal. Well. Yeah, David Geffen signed her, who signed Taylor and gave, you know, Olivia her masters on her first go around. Um, but yeah, so she signed to Universal. She is still on the Disney show though. She's in high school music, some like, I don't know, some spin-off of high school musical. I haven't watched it because I'm not a fucking weirdo who's over the age it's, it's, of <laughs> 18 watching Disney Channel. Uh I think it's High School Musical, the musical, the show is what it's called. I can't, I can't. Or something like that. That was so stupid. <laughs> but she's still on it, I think. I believe she's still on that show. How is she still on that? I don't I don't understand I mean, how she can be on that and be doing so. Uh, like, I don't get that. What, it's whatever. Little, it's out of my hands. It's kind it's of degrading much. to her. A little degrading <laughs> to her. <laughs> so she does all her music videos which I have to say some of them were very good I really enjoyed some of her music videos um she did SNL which is very rare for a debut artist um she has a whole sour prom movie special which I thought was pretty cool I watched some of that and a new Disney film as well which seemed unnecessary to me but you're, you're getting you see what I'm getting at which is that it was very much milked beyond belief um and it received generous widespread critical acclaim like people were talking out of their ass about <laughs> the quality of this album yeah um, yeah 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 so I guess I mean I'll I'll start with my thoughts on on the album I think that there are three great songs on this record like really like career defining legacy building songs which are driver's license deja vu and good for you and I would probably rank them in order of excellence from driver's license first good for you second deja vu third the rest of the album is very very mediocre to me the production is one note. She only worked with one producer and one writer. So I feel like that contributed to the fact that there isn't much variety. The songs are short and they all tread the same path. And I think that outside of those, those three big songs, there's maybe like two kind of memorable moments. Brutal is very like Avril Lavigne-esque. And I kind of get where she's going with that. And I think that... Um, Traitor, I think is the other one that's okay. But I mean, we listened to the album to talk about it. And I just, for the life of me, cannot engage with this as a body of work. It feels fledgling and unformed. It's funny that you say that you listened to it because I frankly couldn't bring myself to have another go around. <laughs> um, and, but it's fine because I have listened to it. And frankly, I've listened to it more times than I um, ever genuinely wanted to. Um, so it's, I, I'm aware of the body of work. Believe me, there's not a song on there that I haven't heard and uh, percolated on. Uh, my, my thoughts are kind of the same. I mean, I think Good For You is really good. Um, I also think Deja Vu is really good. I, I never really liked Driver's License that much, but I respect it for what it is. I mean, obviously a lot of other people did. So like, there's something there, but it's just not for me. Um, I think Deja Vu is probably the best one in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> but it kind of sucks because her two biggest hits have been completely entrenched in this fucking, um, did she steal this from somebody else bullshit? Which like, I mean, does Good For You sound a lot like Misery Business by Paramore? Sure, it does. But it's like a lot of things do <laughs> because it's not, I, do you know what I mean? Like it's hard to- It's hard, yeah, it's hard to have an original it, thought it, these days. It's, it's hard not to like, have an original fucking thought. It's not proprietary information, I would say. It's not like she ripped off like the sound of music you know it's it's pretty it's pretty clear but here the, her biggest issue with that was that she willingly she gave it up went out of her problem. way she willingly said i've listened to paramore she willingly said 
I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift. And it just sort of like begets that kind of shit. She brought it upon herself. I don't really subscribe to it. I mean, it sucks that those are her biggest hits, but it's at the same time, nobody really gives a shit. So like, it doesn't matter. Um, But aside from her singles, um, I really like Brutal. Um, I think Brutal is the best song on the record. And it, it, it has the best writing and I feel like it's uh I'm not gonna use the words more genuine because obviously the album is really genuine but it feels a lot less like she's trying all that hard sometimes when we get into like traitor and uh two steps or one step forward two steps back like the ballads it's like she was trying so hard to say something profound I feel like and but it's like there's nothing profound really about um how you dated a guy and he started dating somebody else i mean i she i feel like she focused way too hard on the taylor swift thing which is like i'm gonna write from my own experience and this is what i'm gonna do like this is the experience that i had so this is the experience that i'm gonna write about um but it's like if you maybe i shouldn't get into this but it's like if you look at taylor's debut it's like not every single song on the record is about an experience that she actually had Mm-hmm. This is she, the issue. Taylor Taylor can write from empathy. And I think mm-hmm. that Olivia can. She just didn't because she was so focused on, on making this album that was like uh, true to herself. But it's like you can write about something else and still be true to yourself. I don't think she knows that. I, I, it's the why the album is so one note. She all she had was that one thing and she just fucking ran with it. It's boring. It's, it's true. Boring. And I think in general, probably, I mean, what we, we keep trying not to compare them, but it's just, it's so hard when you're talking about the music specifically. I think that Taylor is like a chronicler of human emotion and like what different kinds of emotion can push people to do. And she's very curious about not just how she interacts with the world, but how other people behave with complex or like kind of traumatic emotional events. Olivia, to me, seems like she has really zeroed in on the, like you said, the personal experience part of the Taylor um, mythology, but she hasn't had enough personal experience to create something that has such a uh, sharp focus like that. I think if she had zoomed out a little bit and done some more like perspective vibe checking of her generation, because there are two songs on that record that aren't really about the relationship so it's jealousy jealousy which i don't really like but it reminds me of brutal in the term in, in the way that it is describing the kind of way that gen z is feeling about something or other whether it's like feeling frustrated with the state of the world or feeling insecure whatever that is those two are the like horizon expanding songs on the album and there aren't enough of them but that's probably because this album is too fucking short this should not have been an album To me, it felt as though she had driver's license. It blew up way sooner than they expected. She probably had Good For You and Deja Vu in the bag already. They hammered that out and then they stumbled to collect something together in time to sell it as an album. If they really wanted to let her take her time and develop as an artist, they should have let her put out an EP first with those like amazing songs and then filled in the gaps with a fully formed record later. And in that meantime, she could have dropped a couple singles, like she could have done Brutal and maybe like Happier or one of those ballads and gone on to like open for someone else's tour and really kind of had a little bit more runway to figure out what she was before she became the thing. Because when you're the thing, the pressure to be successful in like a commercial and an artistic sense is so 
high and I worry for her because she's literally 19 years old and she seems like a very sensitive, um, amiable personality. She doesn't give me that kind of like scrappy precociousness that I got from uh, a certain ringlet country star that I know. Um, she has a different take on how to make it and how to be successful. And I just think that it's more like Olivia Rodrigo is really an exercise in good branding rather than like uh, great art. What do you think, Madeline? <laughs> uh, that's exactly how I feel. And I also feel like, I mean, if we're gonna like truly like go the full scope, I also think that there's something in Taylor that is very, um, I'm trying to think of the right word because I don't want to use the wrong word. I, I'm going to say calculated. I'm just going to say it. Calculated. Yes, <laughs> and, we know she is. Um, I don't think Olivia has that kind of drive to do, I, because again, Taylor did the fucking work. Like, did you see mm -hmm. her? I, I, I'm going to get heated. This is something that actually like gets me like really upset. Is like you, 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 I, it, it, why do you just like get an album and why do you just like get a headliner tour even though you don't have the actual body Tops of work to headline it. a show just like given a headlining tour and there you fucking go taylor had to fucking open for george Strait. do you hear me <laughs> she had to put on her boots and and stomp and around with a herself, headset mic. <laughs> embarrass herself in front of 40 year old men and women who couldn't have cared less to see her not have cared fucking less she had to cover eminem she yep. had to cover Rihanna. This Umbrella. is what she had to do before she ever got a fucking headlining tour. She, and, and when she did, she had two fucking full-length albums out and the show was fucking unbelievable. She had the budget. She had the time. She had the space. I don't think it's Olivia's fault. I think the nature of how we, we consume music has changed and the way that people blow up is so much faster. If Taylor could have had a TikTok song and she had an instantly available young uh, audience at her fingertips like that. I mean, she barely had MySpace, which was like hardly as intuitive or connective as something like TikTok is. So I feel like that part of it, I can see that that is where the adults or the um, people who are in charge of her career on a more macro level, they fucked up. They did her wrong. They didn't give her the chance to explore before she had to get down and produce something. Well, and that just kind of like goes right along with like um, the pressure to... Um be successful is like well if you're actually successful then you would have a headlining tour wouldn't you and it's like i don't know i mean you tell a fucking 18 year old girl that she's gonna have a headlining tour what's she gonna do say no exactly but it's like and, then, <laughs> you like, and taylor would have taken it too she would have gotten on stage at gillette stadium to 20 people and she would have sang <laughs> per permanent marker so loud yeah oh oh she would have been giving it to us rock hard but X here's the, is the shape thing. X is the fucking shape. Um, but I, I, why, why did I even go off on the same thing? I don't even remember. I just got heated about it. Oh, oh, the TikTok thing. I, to me, it's like, I mean, I'm, again, this is coming from somebody who's 28 years old, but it's like the immediate, fast, quick popularity thing. It's not the same as having longevity. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to Olivia. I won't, I'm not like a marketing genius or anything, or I'm not like a producer or anything like that. But it's like, yeah, you get this famous this fast, something, it's just going to be bad. You know, it's like, yeah, that's been my experience, like with especially young women. 
over the course of time is like it's just gonna wind up being bad at some point and it's like we keep like putting these young girls up on pedestals and like smearing them all over magazines and on tiktok and everywhere and like not stopping to like think at all about the fact that eventually they're going to crucify her for any number of fucking things and Mm. everybody's gonna hate her everybody's gonna fucking hate her this is why i've muted her i will not be a part of the crowd yeah i will not this is the issue with what we were talking about that like kind of rapid turnover in terms of star making is that that pace is not sustainable for a human being who wants to create art like what you need necessary conditions for art number one is like time and the space to get creative you need to get a little bit bored you need to get a little bit upset like you need that time to have something come together as a fully realized idea and I mean putting it into perspective we're not even a year out from her debut album and she's already started her headlining tour that doesn't make any sense to me and most of the promo that she did throughout the pandemic was all I mean again she came about during a very weird time in the world where she wasn't really interfacing with her audience that much she was giving all these cute little live performances and they were being eaten up and delivered so well because you know she was uh, the beneficiary of post-production that's definitely something to consider Um, if Taylor was giving performances on a regular basis when she was in 2006 that weren't live streamed on TV I'm sure they would have been a lot better than what we actually got but I feel like Olivia had the chance to kind of like become comfortable with the camera and trust the post-production to kind of give her a little bit of a leg up in terms of the vocals um and when we see her having to perform live now like in non-pre-taped performances for example um at the VMAs it seems as though first of all her voice is constantly hoarse she it really seems that her screaming songs are taking a toll on her voice and that nobody's really safeguarding her against maybe getting an injury there. Um, But she is not able to carry a performance from start to finish, either through her voice or her presence. Like she just doesn't have that kind of embodiedness that you get from practicing a lot. Like I feel like she doesn't know what to do with her body in space. Like she looks a little bit awkward. She kind of looks a little bit like a giraffe flailing around. And like Taylor absolutely could have had that quality as well. But it always seemed to me that she was very in control of herself and she was very studied. Like you knew that Taylor had spent hours in the mirror practicing that little booty shake with the guitar. Like she, you knew that it looked terrible, but it was rehearsed. It was intentional. With Olivia, it literally seems like someone shoved her onto the stage, put a light on and was like, go. And she looks bewildered half the time. And I'm not surprised. She's 19 and like has no experience doing this at scale. No, uh, but it, it at the same time, it almost surprises me that um, she's a little bit awkward on stage because at, uh, she's she is like a performer already because she is like an actress. But it's different because... Um, <laughs> On High School Musical, the musical, the show, um, <laughs> as, they're, as they're calling it. I mean, I haven't watched it, but I can guess what occurs. Mm-hmm. I have seen a High School Musical film in my tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it's like choreographed, um, rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. And I think that maybe like she's trying to like break away from that and trying to make things seem more quote unquote candid. Like, you know, it goes hand in hand with making an album that's about like, 
how I really feel at this moment in time. This is about me. It's not, you know, it's not, it's rehearsed. This is real. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's like, I don't feel like she's realized um, how much the actual um, performance like suffers. And, and the real issue is that the girls are just out there going, yeah, give us more mm-hmm. because they're loving it. And it's like, yes. not great. But this is what I'm saying. Nobody, either you absolutely fucking hate her and you're going to say she looks like a fucking idiot out there or you fucking love her and you're going to say she looks like a fucking genius. And she's Beyonce. Yeah. There's no medium. It's not terrible. Like she just looks like she's a 19 year old girl. I don't, I don't really know how else to put it. Um, she that just charisma looks- is not translating on stage. And I see it in her videos because she does have a presence. Like the good for you video is a great performance. Like she's really serving the energy that she's trying to portray on the track. But the issue for me is like when she gets on stage, she looks like she has no idea what she's doing. And like you said, nobody's correcting the record. The critics are scared to approach Olivia in any sort of negative way at all, probably for fear of the mob. That would be first of all. The mob would eat them up and kill them uh, like they may do to us once this comes out. But I think (laughs) that in 2006, let's just, you know, let's take a little trip down memory lane. In 2006, it was perfectly fine to dunk on a teenage girl. In fact, teenage girls were the number one lightning rods for ridicule, for public shame, for humiliation, for uh, dressing down. Now, you know, the tides have really turned and it would not be considered fucking cool at all to do half the shit that was done to Taylor, to Olivia. But also I feel like it's it's now overcorrected itself where people are too afraid to deliver her any sort of criticism whatsoever, which would help her. Well, it's not doing her any favors to pretend like everything that she's doing is perfect and great. I mean, I, I it is a really hard line to walk when it comes to constructive criticism because mm-hmm. it's like, how do you, how, it's like nobody wants to make Olivia feel bad or like she's out there no. doing poorly because she's not doing poorly. Nobody said she's failing. Obviously she's not. It's just like, there are some things that could be corrected um, between now and her second record. And it's like, I worry that they're just not going to be <laughs> because uh, everybody's just like, yes, manning her to death and it's not going to be corrected. And then guess what? The tides are going to turn and then it's going to be uh, pitchforks and fucking flames mm-hmm. and they're going to be burning fucking house to the ground. It's hard to have a critical intervention when it comes to teenage girl music because like her audience is very specific. She is not trying to lure in the adult contemporary crowd. That's not her bag. Um, But I will say that Taylor had like crossover moments where her music was mature enough that it was, you know, fit to be considered and critiqued by a professional critic. Olivia, I don't think is there yet. And I wonder, will she be able to get there in the absence of any sort of constructive criticism whatsoever? Like if we think about Taylor's career, every single album is a response to some public criticism she received. She wasn't writing her songs. So Speak Now came out. She, you know, everything sounded the same. So she put out Red and then it sounded too different. So she put out 1989. What would Olivia's logical um, swing be? Like what would her next, what would the gap be for her to fill when everything is so perfect all the time? Uh, exactly. Um, it's like, I can't even, I can't, I can't even fucking imagine what her next record's going to sound like. I mean, I, um, Zach and I have talked about this kind of, but it's like, I, I think that she really should sort of like pivot and like, stop. Like, I think she should never mention Taylor Swift again. 
<laughs> I just think that seems, she should seems like it. she's on the way to doing that. She's definitely she dropped they off. They have not mentioned each other in months. And that's the way it should be, because I think that it was smart in a way to like ride the Taylor fandom to get more fans to like get this like level of fame so fast. But now she needs to drop it like no more. Ta- Taylor doesn't exist. She's gone. She's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and she can't um, come to the phone right now. No, and I think that the best songs on the record to me are Jealousy, Jealousy and Brutal and Deja Vu, which are less like, I mean, obviously she's a songwriter and the writing's good, but like it, it, it's more of a focus on a specific kind of like production that I think like really works for her voice and her stage presence and like her whole persona, which is like you said, sort of like Avril Lavigne. And it's like nobody, at, there could be another Avril Lavigne. There could be. Mm-hmm. There genuinely there could, could be, be. there's space could be for the one. one. She could be the one. She could be this generation's Avril Lavigne. And if you look at the way that she's like conducting herself and like the outfits that she chooses, like she's got like a very specific sort of sense of style and like who she is that I think like really, really works. Mm-hmm. Not within the bounds of Taylor Swift, but within the bounds of like being like a pop punk sort of like little, more, little edgy, um, but like, you know, maybe center left of the mainstream. Tame, yeah. It's like tame, but it's like, you know, relatable to girls. Um, I mean, that's Avril. Like that that's that's literally. That's Avril. That's Avril. And, like, and you know what? Avril and- really spoke to teenage girls in a way that Taylor didn't almost because Taylor, you know, appealed to the dreamer, the contemplator, the angsty, like the silently angsty girl. Avril was for the girls who like really didn't give a shit. And I feel like there are a lot of those <laughs> about at the moment, afoot on TikTok. They're running yes. around. Avril's having a resurgence at the moment. She's absolutely like becoming part of the Gen Z consciousness. So Olivia can ride that very easily. And she has this, Olivia does have a grit or like a darker side to her that Taylor has never had and especially didn't have when she was a younger artist. And she, Olivia to me, doesn't really seem like she has this good girl complex instilled in her she's cursing on her first record she is um wearing kind of revealing clothing items she's not afraid to show off her body like there's a level of modesty that taylor i think like felt like she had to have when she came out that olivia is not under the same constraint with so i think yes your big brain take madeline was that olivia rodrigo should really pivot into the Avril thing more than the Taylor thing. And that was no more apparent to me than when she covered Complicated on the Sour Tour. And I thought that that was actually a great cover. I really liked it. Um, And what's really good about it is that like, I don't think I had like connected the dots. I'm like, that being the case until she covered Complicated. And I watched it and I was like, oh, hold on. There's something, there's something there. Like Mm -hmm. finally, something that actually works. Like it just like made sense immediately. I was like, oh, of course she covered complicated. Big fucking brain. Olivia has the attitude to pull off the Avril thing as in Avril was able to kind of um, speak in very general terms. Avril is not a lyricist. (laughs) She is not a great songwriter. But what she is good at is delivering these platitudes with so much conviction that it doesn't matter that it kind of means not very much or that it's very straightforward. I think Olivia has that same quality to her. I don't personally get the sense that she is a writer. I think that she wants to be a writer and she thinks that this is the way that she has to do it. And absolutely, she should, of course, write her own songs. But I think that being a singer songwriter per se is not her bag no and it's like when I think about like the songs that 
you know, that she was really trying to like hawk as these great ballads, like Trader, for example, is one that always comes Ugh, to mind. Because the writing just isn't there. It's just not there. Like the 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 big moment in that song is you talk to her while we were together. <laughs> you may not have cheated, but you're still a traitor. It's like this is this is your great songwriter. This is the songwriter of your guys' generation. I really don't think Yeah, and people are crying and losing their minds over this. I mean, what? But that being said, the writing on Brutal and Jealousy Jealousy is so much better because she's not trying so hard to make to some profound. great big musical statement because mm. she's better at being sort of like, and good for you too. She's better at being like grittier and like uh, uh, angry. You More know, abrasive, like less coming, polished. Coming, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's what she's actually good at. And I really hope that on her next album, she kind of focuses more on that and a lot less on this like, trying to make like a heartbreak record which is clearly what she was trying to do with sour but it's like uh, whose fucking heartbreak record is 30 minutes long i, I mean red was fucking how long is red it's like, like, it's like three hours long in total <laughs> <laughs> with all the secret songs yeah it is yeah Jesus but the sour Christ. tour so videos that's... are literally painful to me like the set is so low budget it's a rush job like she she looks like she has no idea what's going on it looks like she it, it looks like the fucking science fair project that she came home and was like dad my science fair project is due tomorrow and her <laughs> and her dad stayed up all night cobbling together like this prom 2012 like fucking ridiculous set i mean it's it's fine because like she's a new artist but it's like they're presenting her this is a tour this yeah, is a it's tour, a tour. <laughs> it's a tour she her set looks like the fucking opener set it literally does it really does and it's it's like it's 40 minutes of ballads and one head banging song that is not a show my friends, it is not a show. And people are out there fucking fighting to their deaths to get tickets to this fucking thing. They they it's are paying $5 million to get a ticket to a commercial, basically. A commercial. <laughs> it's literally a commercial. And then they got fucking Gracie Abrams out there doing like an entire set. She's a fucking opener and she's out there like, like doing half the show because she has to fill it. She's Olivia desperately trying should- to fill she should have opened for Harry Styles or something like that. This or even opened for someone like Billy. That really would have made then, sense to me. You know, people genuinely believe that she couldn't have been an opener. People have said this. Like, why? She's too she's too famous. She couldn't just open. Oh, sure, she could have just fucking opened. She why needs, not? I mean, she might be famous, but it would be good for her to pay her dues. Not even in a sense like, yep. oh, you have to. Just in the sense that it would actually like behoove her to get some experience that has a lower stake than a headlining tour because a headlining tour is a lot of pressure and everybody's going, yes, queen, yes, queen. But I'm telling you, people are going to be pissed off about this show. It's going to get bad reviews. People are going to be really dissatisfied with their uh, experience because it's not really a concert. It's not long enough. The production value is low. The tickets are expensive. The venues are way too small. This was just a very poorly thought out exercise that I think is going to restrict her. Again, totally not her fault. Like I feel like no. I went off about this on Twitter, but it's like, I, I tried to make it clear. Like I don't blame her like at all because she's just, I, again, they just handed her a headlining tour. She'd be insane to be like, no, I can't do that. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Yeah, it's like, nah, she's going to go out there and she's going to do her fucking best, which she is. She put together the the best thing that she possibly could under the constraints. 
and it's not her fucking fault that it's even if they insisted that she did a tour this year okay if they insisted that she did what they could have done was had her back in the studio at the beginning of this year and gotten like four or five more upbeat up tempo songs that could round out a show and then done the tour towards the middle or the end of the year i don't understand why it had to be now it doesn't seem like a particularly good time for her to be doing this when is the girl gonna get a break it ties right back to the TikTok thing. Everything has to be now. Everything has to be right now, all the time, right now. I mean, this is like a much broader social commentary on like mm-hmm. the state of social media and et cetera. But it sort of fits to talk about Olivia because it's just so fast. It's so fast. Now, 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 now. You have to do this now. You have to have your full length album now, now, even though it's only 30 minutes. You have to have your fucking headline tour now, even though you can't even fill a fucking set list. Like now, now, now. And it's just like, well, I'm. she's going to A, be burnt out. And B, it's like there's no room for her to like sit and create something else. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, what, what is the second record going to be? Because she hasn't had any time to do it because the fucks at Universal are out there fucking with a cattle prod pushing her onto the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like pumping her full of like amphetamines and shoving her out to <laughs> yeah. the Judy Garland style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, I think we can all agree, except for the insane Olivia Rodrigo stands, who, by the way, I'd actually just like to put this on the record. If you are above the age of like 20 years old and you are obsessed with Olivia Rodrigo and you're like tweeting about her all the time, I am judging you. I hate to say it. And no one is exempted from that judgment because I think that it's weird. I would say like. 24 and up like if you're 21 i mean sure bop, 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 bop. okay yeah yeah, like 22. yeah fine. I mean, um but that being said like it's uh, it's like fine to like listen to it like i, I mean i'm mom i've got brutal i've got brutal on my fucking playlist i'll say oh it. i've got good for you <laughs> I, and I driver's license i love this yeah i love that fucking- but i'm not thinking about her <laughs> i'm not sitting here <laughs> i'm not calling myself a livy i'm not calling myself a fucking livy and i'm not like Ooh, what's Olivia wearing tonight? I did Google who's Olivia Rodrigo dating, but that's only because I wanted to make sure she wasn't dating that fucking creep anymore. I'm looking out for her. Nobody else is. Everybody <laughs> else is a yes man or an anti-man. Exactly. I'm making sure I care about the Olivia. Yeah. <laughs> I want her to be successful. We should be her guardian ad litems, you know, like we should just come in and we should take over control and we should just say, you know what, sweetie, you need to just relax for a second. Should we get into the comparison and why it's not fair and and not good for anybody to do that? All right. So like we said, the comparison is not a good idea for Taylor nor Olivia. First of all, it's understandable. Again, we are not coming from a place of attacking Olivia Rodrigo. We like her. We are her guardian ad litems. We want her to succeed. Um, she is literally a Taylor disciple, a disciple, and it is inevitable that she'll mimic and copy things that Taylor has done. And I don't mean deliberately copy. I mean, she like, you know, takes um, influence from. Uh, but Taylor had like an impact on her development as a young girl and a young artist. She shouldn't be attacked for that. I agree with that. But it is time, as we said, to lay off the Taylor Swift comparisons. She has bitten off a little bit more than she can chew. And from what we know about Taylor, because this is what, you know, where our, our, our true knowledge field is, <laughs> the inner workings of Taylor Swift's insane mind. And within that mind, I can let you know that she's not fucking happy about this at all. And we have a lot of evidence for, you know, why potentially she's not happy about it. But let's just start there. She's not happy about it. And when you try and rip off Taylor, because like I said, it's a special sauce and it's hard to accomplish, it ends up 
flopping harder than if you had just tried to do something original. So an example on the record is like One Step Forward, which is that stupid song which interpolates New Year's Day. Of all the songs, I'm sorry, to sample, to pick a sample from that had a good instrumental hook, you pick New Year's Day of all It's like she barely even fucking songs. thought about it. It's like she really exactly. thought about it. She was like, what's what does the piano sound like? And she turned on reputation and she was like, oh, okay. Now it's my turn. <laughs> All right, let me take that. Bup. Um, yeah, that was a choice. It was definitely a choice. I'm I remain mystified by it. Like <laughs> it's, why? Well, it's, it didn't end up well either. Like it didn't no, like it's I not think a good if you're song. Gonna, if you're gonna t- if you're gonna sample something directly then it needs to be like, it needs to make sense. You know, Jack Harlow just I mean, did that she new could've... like Fergie glamorous sample. Like those, like pick a, pick a big moment, you know, pick something that is important and that people oh, yeah. care about, not a flop. And it's like going back to like the, um, like Avril Lavigne thing. She could have done a really cool fucking sample of like, look what you made me do. Or mm-hmm. um, I did something bad, like something like mm. really dark and gritty and just like made it into something completely different, which would yes. have been fucking We're awesome. ready for it, instead, Ethan. Just that, that bang oh, in yeah. the beginning. It, it, she could have done anything. And instead she chose, let me, let me think about how boring I can make this. And she went New Year's Day and let's make it about the same thing I've already been talking about for the past 20 minutes. Let's go. And like, that's what she came up with. It was, it was bad. Like, it was like machine learning songs, you know? Like it was yeah. just kind of like, let's just, let's recycle what we've already, the path we've already been down and throw in some Swiftian attempts because none of them take off. And there aren't a lot of memorable lyrical moments. She tries to do the zooming in on specific scene detail thing and it doesn't work because she doesn't have Taylor's eye. Like, I'm sorry, you can't teach that kind of curatorial dreamy quality that Taylor has. And I think that Olivia's like more direct comparisons, her peers that are doing something that's comparable to what she's capable of are, are Halsey, are Billie Eilish, are even Lord more than Taylor. Um, I just think that the Taylor comparison sets her up for disaster. She, she, I don't think even with all the, all the resources in the world, there's something about it instinctively that's telling me that she doesn't have the chops to do the Taylor thing. No, it, it, it was pretty clear to me pretty much immediately <laughs> from that. I mean, because in my opinion, nobody does. I mean, if I think about great female songwriters that we have right now, Taylor and uh, Lana like for Fe- me, Lana, like Lana's a great songwriter. Like Phoebe Bridgers is a great Mm, songwriter. mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, I think Lord is a pretty good songwriter too. When she Um, gets it right. Yeah. When she gets it right. um, And it's like, I, none of them are as good as Taylor. That's the thing. And I mean, I know I'm biased, but nobody has that. They don't have her range. I would say that's it. Like Taylor can, she can apply her thing to so many different genres. Like Phoebe Bridgers can't take what makes a good Phoebe Bridgers song and do an upbeat banger. You know, Lord can't do a look what you made me do repetitive catchy banger with her distinct Lord quality. Taylor can do it all. That's the scary thing of it is that she truly is a very versatile artist. And Olivia doesn't give me that um, same kind of versatility. No. Um, and she can't, she, I don't think she'll ever be able to write a song uh, that's like, I mean, it's just like um, going well, to let, like I mean, let's debut. think about her influences. Taylor's influences. I mean, the fact that Taylor was a country artist also really shaped her talent and and her writing skill and her um her acuity olivia's like 
inspiration was Taylor. And Taylor is like a, a derivative of like a bigger, larger kind of storytelling tradition, this like oral history passing down all of that. Taylor like learned from the greats, James Taylor, Joni Mitchell. I mean, I think that her her references were a lot broader and I think a lot deeper. Whereas with Olivia, because like what we mentioned with the pop turnover just being so high, all she's got are, I mean, it seems these, the Lords, the Phoebe Bridgers, the Halseys, the Billies, who are all derivatives of something else, I would argue. Yes. Um, and I, it, it's hard to like talk about like, oh, well, Taylor's a derivative of this and then turn around and be like, well, all Olivia's doing is trying to be just like Taylor. But it's like there's a difference between being derivative of an entire um, genre genre, and, and like one person and just trying to do what Taylor Swift specifically is doing. She should be trying to be doing, you know, what other female artists in general have done before her. And I think that she focused, and I don't even know if she went into the studio and thought, I'm going to try to be Taylor. But I, it comes off that way, especially when you go out of your way to interpolate a fucking boring ass song. And then you turn around and go, my inspiration for Deja Vu was Cruel Summer. It's like, girl, you gotta, you gotta lock that up. That one didn't that even, behind. yeah, that one didn't even check out. Nobody, I don't, was anybody no, even I, saying it that? It didn't even occur to me. It? I didn't think it so. It did not even occur to me when I heard the song. I liked it. I thought it was like, oh, this is cool. You know, I enjoy songs where somebody winds up yelling and Taylor didn't invent that. And also let's, let's not, let's not give Deja Vu that much credit. It is no Cruel Summer. Sorry. It is no, no Cruel no, Summer. No, it's an a insult to Cruel bop. Summer. I mean, Cruel Summer, uh, and you know, I mean, she's Cruel Summer she's, is in its own genre. It deja, is deja vu un, is pretty, but Cruel Summer is gorgeous, and we all know that you know, gorgeous devour is pretty. So, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's the yeah, tea. That's the tea. Um, but it's again, like, I mean, obviously, everybody is derivative of something, so it's like mm-hmm. a waste of time to be like, you're not doing anything original because technically nobody is. Um, but with Olivia, it's a little bit more like sharp, I would say, because it's obvious. Like, That's I think the issue not, is that it's very she's obvious. Not giving us anything new at all, like at all. And just, just talking like, about I mean, breadth and newness and things that hadn't been done before, debut itself, like as a, as a whole record, is more complex structurally, lyrically, nah, melodically. See, the songs sound different from each other. The, and We're she writes about, as we mentioned, all sorts of different topics. Let's we can give examples straight off the bat. Tied oh, together with a Mary smile. Song. Mary song. Mary song. Uh, the Fucking, outside. A uh, place in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, These are fucking... not about a like. Yes, Taylor's thing was he he. I write about boys, but it was actually more. I write about my feelings, and right now I'm just like the boys are you know like a, a big big part of my life, and it's very relatable. But again, Taylor is a chronicler of the human condition. Olivia is a chronicler of Taylor Swift's version of the human condition. It's it's not it's, as it's... unique. No, and it comes across as like very. Um disingenuine in a way because it's like she was trying so hard and I'm not saying that she's like a fraud that's not what I mean I'm just saying like it's hard to take it seriously as being this like body of work that she's giving out as like her personal experience when meanwhile it just kind of feels like a repeat of Taylor Swift's own personal experience Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying and it's like a watered down like the great value Walmart version brand <laughs> of yeah. like a Taylor and what Swift I, record. What I really hate as well is that people claim that this is some sort of like 
uh, adolescent voice of generation kind of moment where she's really like speaking on behalf of what it's like to be a teenager right now. And it's like, okay, I think she has a very, very narrow perception of what that is. And that's totally fine. But, you know, debut is a better example of something like that because it had a fuller range of emotion, different experiences. It was more candid. It was more specific. This is the thing. It was more specific. It was more scenic. I mean, just the turns of phrase in Tim McGraw and Teardrops on My Guitar those are fucking amazing songs. Like they're not just good for a debut record. Like those no, are still good. legacy cementing songs. And that was the motherfucking warm up. It was the warm up. Tim, uh, Tim McGraw is like one of the best country songs I've ever fucking heard in my life. Seriously. It did, say, it did like a classic country music thing where it like took mm-hmm. a name or an experience and that is classic country and made it into her own experience that she could then tell a story about. And it wasn't written by five men. It was written by this precocious 15 year old girl. I mean, come on. She's talking about Chevy trucks. She's talking Mm -hmm. about Georgia. She's talking about the moon, like a spotlight on the lake. She's literally galaxy brain. (laughs) Where are those, where are those visuals in Olivia's songs? And just even Tim McGraw, the narrative from the letter, like just the way that she can, introduce something and come back to it and make it seem like a whole story that complexity does not exist on sour there's no cold as you on sour oh my god there's no cold as you on sour that's the main thing that i think about all the time whenever i'm trying to think about like uh sour versus debut it's like this bitch couldn't produce a cold as you if you held a fucking gun to her head Mm -mm. and that's not her fault normal people can't accomplish this because Taylor Swift is a she's a preternaturally talented ingenue in the sense every sense of the word she had the confidence she had the charisma but she also had this very bizarre imagination that I just don't see this is why there isn't another Taylor Swift and why it took so long for a sort of heir apparent to emerge because no one has the fucking chops. And I think that it is, it you know, it really is the country music as a vehicle that let her kind of tread water for a while and test the limits of what she could do. She's always been a pop songwriter. We know that. Um, her, her instinct for melody has always been so like succinct. She's good at creating a hook. But it was that country tradition and the people that she paid attention to and the music that she grew up listening to that really shaped and informed this very um, accomplished talent. I don't see Olivia or any other artist, Billy, Lord, I don't see any of them like having to, like when, when you're in a box and like country is a box, when you're in a box, you have to learn every single corner of the box. You have to understand every single part of it before you can break out of it. You have to prove that you could do every single thing inside that box before you can open the lid and step out. I don't think that any of the rest of them had to do that. They can make these two minute songs that go viral on Spotify and are a number one hit that in 15 years, people are going to forget about, you know? Tim McGraw and Teardrops on My Guitar will live on. I'm telling you, they are evergreen. Uh, They're timeless. They're literally timeless. Like, I hate to say it. uh, You know, I know that there's going to be some naysayers. There's going to be some people (laughs) saying debut isn't that good. But I have Mm -mm. to tell you, it is. We have said it it before. (laughs) It's that good. I mean, is it only in context of referring to her? I mean, put it at the bottom of the list, but that's only because like, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, in my day to day life, I'm not turning on our song. (laughs) <laughs> but that's because I'm 28 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same reason why I'm not constantly turning on Olivia Rodrigo too. But that being said, 
I can still respect the absolute fucking craft that went into the debut. And this is going back to what I've been saying again and again. She put in the goddamn work. She had the time. Mm-hmm. She was allowed the time and space. I mean, she wrote hundreds of songs, as we know. Yeah, I mean, we, I was going to say, we have a really interesting vantage point on Taylor's uh, becoming because we, you know, got our hands on all the demo files. And you can literally trace the evolution of her songwriting. Like you can see it from the very, very early kind of shitty songs, Lucky You, I mean, Smoky Black Nights, like the the really kind of bad stuff. And then we get to the progressively kind of like the, the, the better stuff, the bangers. And then finally we arrive at like the Tim McGraw, which was to me the piano demo of Tim McGraw. Come on, that was the, that was the turning point in the undiscovered discography. I don't get the sense that Olivia wrote hundreds of songs before whittling it down to the very best of her ability. I think she wrote maybe 50 songs. No, not even 20. She couldn't get she couldn't get 15 together. <laughs> this is well, the they used to, when they used to inter- introduce Taylor as an opener, they would have some dude get on the fucking microphone and be like, she has written over 150 songs and she was 16 years old. Nobody's saying that about Olivia. And she's supposedly the great songwriter of her generation. It doesn't make it. She hasn't written that many songs. She just hasn't. And you can't you can't convince me that she has. It's not in. It's not. She doesn't have. She doesn't have the fucking. She, no, she she's not the it. sauce. No, she, and, and I felt, you know, a, with debut, with debut, I came away from it going, okay, I know who Taylor Swift is. And I know like what her thing is. I can kind of see where she's going to go. I can see how this can develop. But with Olivia, like I, Sour didn't give me that. I don't have a good idea of who Olivia is as an artist or any conception of like what she's going to do next. When Love Story came out, it was a logical continuation of the stuff that we had already known and she had been doing, you know? It was the natural evolution. I can't picture what Olivia's natural evolution would be. I'm hoping that it's going to be in the vein of of a brutal or a jealousy jealousy because I think that that pivot is going to play to her strengths and not to what she thinks to be her potential or her purpose. Yeah, I, 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 all I can hope is that she like opens her fucking eyes <laughs> and thinks that someone really else long opens their eyes. She's 19 and she's like got a, got two number one hits and is one of the most famous young people in the world. Of course, she is going to, you know, stick the course. It's the job of her managers to swoop in now and make sure, like, do you want a flash in the pan or do you want an artist who has a point of view and a perspective? It seems like nobody is really focusing on that these days. These pop girls have no idea like what they're doing or where they're going. Is it just me? Or did you feel that as well? Like Camila Cabello is a pretty good example of that. Like she, I think is Olivia Rodrigo to me is more similar to Camila Cabello at this point than Taylor in that she had a lot of hype, a lot of noise around her for her debut. And then the chops weren't apparent. It didn't emerge that she was super unique. She wasn't making, she's not making albums. That's the thing. It's like, when I think about um, Camila, it's like, I, I see- um, There's you know, a song here Havana, and there that I like. Havana, yeah. Senorita. Um, she, she has like hit making capability. And I do think that she could be a, an interesting artist, but it's like, it, she keeps like drifting back and forth between being like a tried and true true pop girl and like going back to her um like roots in a sense and it's like she can't make up her fucking mind and her albums feel really disjointed because of it like her her latest album it's 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 insanity to me like i i don't 
Like I can't make heads or tails of what it is. Camila on her debut, like Olivia, had three pretty good songs. And then she had a bunch of Taylor Swift ripoffs. Do you remember that song, Consequences? That was literally like, that was like happier. It was like Traitor. It was like those other ballads on Sour. It is like a poor man's version of a Taylor Swift song. And, you know, I just don't, I don't, I'm not convinced that Olivia has that. She has something. She has a charisma. She has an appeal. She's clearly resonating with people. But does she has, does she have what Taylor has? Not in her pinky finger. No, none of these people honestly do. Like a lot of the pop girls that are coming out, like big, I'm trying to think of big songs like that. A, B, C, D, E, fuck you. Oh. I don't even know who does that. Um, It's like that to me. It's like, I, I don't usually go into stuff thinking like, how is this inspired by Taylor Swift? <laughs> but like, I mean, there's something to it to think like, oh, this is a, a fuck you song about an ex. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm not making sense, but it's like, there's something to, there. To me, that's like yes, I understand what you mean. A female singer songwriter coming in and like, this is trying to make like a, a grand statement, but it's like actually not a grand statement. It's just something that's going to be repeated on TikTok over and over and it's over true. again. But also I think that you can make a statement without it being like a life-changing, profound, like world shifting moment. For example, right. Dula Peep struggled for a while, but Dula Peep's second album, Future Nostalgia, that was it. Oh. It was a moment. Well, it was a statement. It's fucking amazing. Uh, incredible. Great pop And it's album. not, it's not it, reinventing it, the wheel. It's not reinventing the wheel. No, but there was something about it that it just felt like we hadn't had like a pop record, yeah. a pop record like that in so long. A fully realized thought. <laughs> That's what it was. A fully considered piece of work. Right, exactly. And it's like, I mean, if you listen to the the last Charlie XCX record, I did. Um, oh, it's man. a little bit more formed than her other records, but it, it's, it's, it, it's just more of the same. So I guess now that we've gone on this very long tangent about other pop girlies and their uh, shortcomings and how they can't measure up to Taylor, I guess that we should just talk about like the kind of friction that we've noticed between Olivia and Taylor. And this is absolutely like gossip, of course, but you know, we're just going to pontificate, I suppose, on what kind of state their relationship's in and how Olivia kind of wound up in this awkward situation that she's in with her idol. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's just get into our speculation. Um, <laughs> so I think there's no point placing blame on Olivia for this. She's a literal child. I think that she loves Taylor so much. I think she reacted the way that any you or I would react if we suddenly became celebrities and everybody was talking and asking questions about Taylor and you have it. She was a, she was a fan. She really was like a huge fan. You know that she had it in the back of her mind. She was like, if I mention it enough times, <laughs> then I will get to meet her. I know that I will. And I would feel right. the exact same way. Yep. 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 There um, she goes. But what did my question is, you know, everybody's like, oh my God, Taylor, like didn't say anything about sour, blah, blah, blah. What the fuck do you monkeys think that Taylor <laughs> is going to do when someone comes out and says, I'm copying you in perfect, not what a few months before she puts out a song where she is basically a whole verse doing a uh, clairvoyant moment where she predicts Olivia's proximity to her. Olivia literally got the map from her and Taylor is crying herself to sleep about it. I mean, I don't think she is anymore seeing how it's all unfolded, um, but <laughs> definitely there was a moment where I think that Taylor was 
not happy about it. And even if Taylor like doesn't think that Olivia has the chops, she's still a threat and she's still a competitor. And Taylor is not nice to her competitors. May I remind you I, of Katy here's, Perry? Here's the thing is that I feel like everybody, every fucking buddy acts like Taylor to this day. Even people who have been fans this whole time act like Taylor is like some benevolent, <laughs> and it's like i'm not she's saying not she's not nelson evil. mandela she's normal <laughs> she's a normal human being a younger very pretty very skinny girl who's literally walking into the room and in so many words saying i'm taking your concept and making it my own and i'm gonna mention you a million times so that i can get all your fans and they're gonna come over and be my fans too like, uh you I'd think that pissed. doesn't annoy her you think that doesn't fucking annoy her i think that she she put on her best but forward and she was nice oh, to Olivia. Oh, she did. She was really but nice But she also her. used her. She also used her. Hey, promo fearless Taylor's version with your <laughs> with your with your with your little friend over there. Do promo do a little album. TikTok for me, my my sweet yeah. my sweet princess. I won't ever talk yes, to you again. I but just love do it. you. I love you. Please promo my album and then I'm going to have my lawyers contact you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will see you in court. Literally, that is <laughs> literally. That's what's gonna happen to her. Um, but I, you know, I would be pretty, I'd be pretty pissed off if I was Taylor. And you know what? I think really rubs salt in the wound. If we're talking about, you know, getting the map from Taylor, like Taylor has been in a protracted, painful, public, um, humiliating owner battle for ownership of her own work oh, over yeah. the last two years. Mm -hmm. And Olivia mm -hmm. goes to David Just Geffen. Gets to get them. Just get to David get Geffen, who Taylor jumped to to rescue her from her like predatory big machine deal, she goes straight to him for her first album, and she immediately gets control of her master recordings. And if I were was Taylor, like, I would be fucking livid about that. I would no, be and, like, so angry. Kept like trying to like get Taylor to like comment on it, like oh at Taylor Swift thirteen. Well, isn't Olivia, it so this, great that Olivia has her masters? This is your impact. This is your impact, and like it is Taylor's impact. But she's out there fighting in the fucking trenches. She's doing work, work, work just to own her own music. And this little seventeen-year-old girl just gets to come in and just have them. Yeah, I, you know it, what I mean? Like, rough. I, it's rough. It's rough. And and we and know it's that crazy Taylor has an see it that way. And Taylor has an obsession with becoming obsolete and fading out of re relevance and trying to ascertain when that moment is and doing it gracefully, but also not giving up the crown too easily. Um, I would say that Olivia, you know, we know that after Lover, I mean, when she was, when she turned 30, that was a big thing for her. Um, I think that Olivia came in at the wrong time, honestly, at a time when Taylor was already feeling a little insecure about her place in the culture. No, 30, 30 is a really hard age for women. I feel like um, mm -hmm. 40 is obviously worse, but 30, like coming out of your 20s, it sort of feels like the death of youth, especially for women. Um, and, you know, like once you turn 30, there's always been like, especially with actresses, women in Hollywood, et cetera. Like once you turn 30, you, you get put on a shelf and um, sort of forgotten about. A lot of women feel that way. Um, yeah. And so this is not a great time for Olivia to be shashane, all young and cute <laughs> into the picture. Like, it's just not. And it's like, I'm not saying that Taylor is at home with a voodoo doll, but I'm just saying like, it probably doesn't feel fantastic. Everyone's like, why didn't she put sour on her Instagram story? I could give you 10 why reasons she? why right She's now. She's crying in bed. She's crying in bed. That's why, that's why. Joe it is sucks. making chicken noodle soup in the next It room. doesn't feel <laughs> good to her. She got COVID. No. She's not enjoying herself. 
right? It's not fun to be to feel like you're being replaced, especially when it's not even that good of a replacement. Yes. I mean, that is that's that's the fuck of it all, to be honest. I mean, it's not even really the fuck of it all. That is the fuck of it all is that it's not even as good as what she did. So I would be kind of pissed if I was like, okay, I wrote the blueprint. So why can't you like follow it properly? Why do you have to bastardize the 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 well-worn track that I that I that I ward for you? Um, but the credits, I think, is where it starts to get a little bit weird. So one step forward and three step back takes a literal sample and incorporates it into the song. Taylor has to clear a sample before it comes out. So she obviously gave her blessing for that. Uh, but whoever was advising Olivia should have told her not to do this after months on months on months of being like, I love Taylor. I love Taylor. Taylor's my inspiration. Taylor's my idol. I love her so much. That is, to me, a little bit single white female. It's a little too close for comfort. Uh, and also the song is not it's, even that uh, good. It's almost it didn't have bizarre. To go on the record. It's, it's like bizarre. It's like strange. It's like, why, what are you trying to make your own If the own sample was on day? a song like Good For You, then sure. You know, that song is so good that it oh, has it to come cool. out. Cool. It would have been cool. I don't know why. Who? I don't know who was in the studio with her being like, this is a great fucking idea, but they deserve to be penalized. They deserve <laughs> they, to be taken. They there's a penal colony where they belong. Yeah. It's like you you can't. It, it's just so bad. Like, and if I was good. Taylor and I got a request for that sample, I'd be like, sure, no problem. You yeah, can have whatever. literally you can have my it. leftovers. My biggest flop for my you don't, Yeah, you don't even want the crown jewels? Okay, fine, you, idiot. You, you, don't, you don't want a sample fucking, look what you Shake made me do. Shake it off? <laughs> Blank space? See, these, these are good Heard ideas. It. It's like, did she not have the uh, creative ability to come up with something like that? Yes, she was like, I think let that's me sample, it. Let me sample a piano ballad and make a piano ballad. That's what it's she came It's three chords with. as well. It's three chords. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, and then, so then she, the, she runs into more trouble. That was also her first, like, you can't go around comparing yourself to someone and then, you know, like borrow from them on your first record so when the record came it, out it, she she encountered a little bit more criticism for good for you and for deja vu deja vu was her own fault because she copped to it and was like this really ins- i was inspired by cruel summer so she gives jack and well, she never should have said you never say that olivia who's who's i want to know who her publicist is who's mm. in the studio who's telling her to say these things because if she hadn't have said it nobody would have thought of it she Seriously. i'm not i'm not being hyperbolic she gave away millions of dollars when she just added their names on unnecessarily to the writing credits L- that taylor literally. does not deserve a co-write on deja vu she doesn't it's not a clear enough derivative no. one step forward three got, steps nonsense fine but this is like saint vincent too that's the insane thing like saint vincent and jack atinoff too for they have nothing to, yeah dude. royalties get split five ways now that is really like that is a stupid decision to make and it all seems like she did it very quickly to like make make people die down to prevent a backlash so that she could continue on this kind of imperial reign but you know, that's going to come back to bite you in the ass when the biggest hits in your catalog are suddenly being split five ways for no good reason. She's going to be resentful of that. And she had to do the same thing with Good For You and Hayley Williams. She had to give her credit too, which I mean, I guess maybe was a little bit more deserved, but to me, it wasn't that that direct of a lift. It was just an inspiration. No, and you know, also the other thing is that the song is totally different too, like in terms of its subject matter. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, 
the I, I just feel like when I listen to misery business, I'm not thinking of good for you and vice versa. Yeah, like I never. get that there's a similar chord progression and I get that, you know, it's like, oh, quiet versus very loud. They have the chorus. same mood. That's it. They have this a mood. They have that the same mood. Similar. It's the same vibe. And like it's okay to 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 lift a vibe because that was the exact vibe she was going for. Rage. Female rage is not unique. I hate to tell you this. I, well, anyway, I, I, I'm just- well, yeah. Well, here's the other thing is so when this happened in a Time magazine profile, Olivia commented on it and said it was frustrating to see people discredit my creativity. And it's like, well, if you Girly. were so confident Girly. in your creativity, why didn't you stand Girly. up in public and defend it? Why did you instantly Girly. bow and give it away? And why did you spend months waxing poetic about your queen and goddess, Taylor Swift, and how she's your biggest influence? Like, what you, did you, you expect? You, you fucked it. You, you, somebody, I don't think it was necessarily just her because there's somebody in her ear telling her what to fucking say. And mm. somebody, I, you know what? I think they said, the pooch. I think that she probably what happened was this is, this is my, my, my theory. So I think that Deja Vu came out and everybody started talking about the Cruel Summer thing because that was started by fans. They they pointed that that similarity out before anybody else did. I never got it. I never They got were it. running with it. They were like putting it on TikTok and Twitter. She's copying her, blah, blah, blah. Fair enough. I mean, Olivia These literally laid it bitches. up like that. But I mean, even still, it was, it was a reach. It really was a reach. So my theory is that it went out there. Obviously, Taylor's team monitors relentlessly whatever is being said about her they saw that i wouldn't be surprised if behind the scenes someone on taylor's team maybe reached out to someone on olivia's team and said hey if you you know if your girl wants to have a good working relationship with our girl then it's time to like start putting you know your money where your mouth is don't just say that i inspired you put my name on a fucking check and send it to me in the mail please so that i can you know get my coin and feel that you are understanding that I'm higher than you in this ecosystem. I think that that's what happens because her producer follows up but her quote saying she was frustrated saying, it seems people get funny about things when songs become really popular. So we know that Haley Williams didn't care about Good For You. She posted it on her Instagram oh, she, story and she baby. was like, haha, that's funny. Thanks. Taylor said nothing, nothing about it. So no, I really think she, I'm telling that Taylor's you, team was, went sicko mode behind the scenes on this. It's really like I'm imagining like the evil queen from Snow White. <laughs> Whispering to like, her minions, carrying down, a message across the looking town. Looking in the mirror saying, handle this, please. <laughs> Take care of her. I mean, um, and it's, that's I, a classic I, I, Taylor move. She gets someone to do her dirty work and she keeps her hands clean and she still gets to hug Olivia in public and say, you're my, you're my baby and I'm real proud. But I really feel like, and I think it's a good thing. I think that um, people are going to be upset. Like, why aren't they friendly? Why aren't they friendly? But it's like, I think it's a fantastic thing to put as much distance between Olivia and Taylor as possible mm-hmm. publicly, because I, I don't think the comparisons are going to do either of them any fucking favors in the coming years. I don't want to spend my time having to have olivia rodrigo (laughs) muted because i'm so fucking sick of seeing everything she does compared to taylor like the other day i saw on twitter um there's olivia on stage of the sour tour and she's standing there and she's tilting the microphone and somebody said that's a taylor pose oh my god she did not invent tilting the microphone stand and stand like it everybody on the face of the planet has tilted a microphone stand before but it's like everything that olivia does is like picked apart and like chewed alive as being a direct lift from taylor and i don't think it's fair i think it's mean i think it's mean fucking spirited i think that she is a child 
and people need to shut the hell up. <laughs> it's and disingenuous stop her as to well. A fucking thirty-two-year-old woman. It's not fair. It's mean, and I hate seeing it. It makes me upset because I just feel like, I mean, imagine your biggest idol in the world, and it's not even so much about the legal shit. Like I'm sure that may have been hurtful, but it's like more about how it's like I can't even listen to it anymore because yeah, all anybody it being says is that by this. I'm ripping her off. That's all anybody says. Like, can, it, mm. can anybody imagine that? I mean, no, nobody cares. Everybody's going to keep saying these terrible things, but I'm just saying. I mean, and there's no doubt to me that Olivia has either directly or indirectly received a frosty cold shoulder from Taylor. And I get the impression that like, she never wanted that to happen. I don't think Taylor ever wanted to give that to her. Taylor's feeling territorial. If you back someone into a corner, they're gonna lash out, you know? Um, and Taylor like was, ac- Olivia accidentally backed her into a corner and Taylor had no choice but to do whatever it is that she did. Either way, something happened because it's clear that both of them are not willing to continue that association much longer. So well, asked I, about I'm Taylor kinda- in that same interview, Olivia kind of continues and says, Young women are constantly compared to each other. I'm the new this, or this woman meets that woman, and that can be reductive. I'm just Olivia. I'm doing my own thing. It's meaningful when people recognize that. Well, it's like, yes, girl. Yes, mama. But you you laid it up like this. You laid it up. You wanted everybody to compare you to Taylor. And now, no more. No more. I think there it was there was something sort of like wholesome, and it seemed at the beginning like totally harmless. I love Taylor Swift. What could be wrong with that? What could yes. be wrong with saying agreed? That? I get say to it louder. Her. I I get to I get to have some of her fans because I've said her name and now people are paying attention to me. What could be wrong with that? And so she kept doing it to her ultimate detriment. Because well, and I then think people kept asking of, her about it. It was like a vicious cycle. It was like, well, that's you know, everybody. It's wanted like to talk nobody ever fucking learns. It's like what's happening to Dylan O'Brien right now. He cannot do an interview without being asked about Taylor. He cannot. It's like you can't be. It's like what happened with Lord. You can't be associated. This is why people. Yeah, this is why people turn on her as well. Honestly, this is why she has few real famous friends because it's. And it's I, like I not imagine her that, fucking fault. Like you, especially when you're a star in your own right, to have to live in a bigger star's shadow. I can imagine that is like really not fun. This is Joe Alwyn's life we're describing. Uh, <laughs> and I think I think that he is the kind of person who can like deal with that. Um, mm-hmm. I think you have to, she had to find like a real king. Well, he's not handle. competing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but he's also not in the same industry as her, I guess. So that kind of helps. No, but at the same time, it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't remember ever reading a Joe Alwyn interview. I don't know if he gives them because I never what? will as well because he's a stock man <laughs> and he's not real. <laughs> I think I saw one where, um, he was doing like word associations. It was at, it was like the only one I've oh, ever I seen. Oh, I saw it. Do. It was so boring. Yeah, he just he has no just, personality. He's just, soulless. He's a piece of white bread. That's what she needed. That's what she needed. Somebody that mm-hmm. nobody is going to care about to ask a blank questions. Slate. That's it. He's a blank slate. And um, someone who wasn't anyway. going to break as well. But yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, at first, Taylor thought this was cute. This is the thing. I think Taylor was pretty generous about this in the beginning. She posted on her Instagram story. I think she even said something about driver's license. And she's, you know what? She sent Olivia a very long letter and she sent her the literal ring that she wrote while that she wore while she was writing red. And to me, that is like the biggest blessing that you could ever receive, which she probably didn't deserve, right. to be honest. But, you know, no, that and- that to me says enough. If Taylor wants to like turn around and now kind of like, you know, cut her off, I think that that's totally fair because I think she, fair. Re- she, she and- rewarded Olivia's earnestness by being generous to her and meeting her it's as a like Brit they're- too. 
there could be more to it than we even know. Like for all we know, there's somebody telling Olivia not to mention Taylor anymore. And there's somebody mm-hmm. telling Taylor, you should probably keep your distance from her now. Like, oh, I'm sure that's happening. I'm sure on. the, you know, the, the game of whispers on either side is probably what made this situation turn a little sour. Because again, it's not like either mm-hmm. one of them ever said, Olivia Rodrigo is the direct descendant of Taylor Swift. No, the media ran with that publicists, PR, like that's a constructed manufactured thing. Well, and here's the other thing is that there have been a lot of female artists, um, especially when she was still doing country, uh, maybe like a little bit into the red era, you know, lots of girls with guitars came out immediately after Taylor did. And like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who attempted to do the Taylor thing. Kelsey Um, Ballerini. Yes, it became a lot harder when she was doing when she was like a country girl who went pop, a singer songwriter who's a pop girl. Like you can't meet. No, that. you can't copy uh, it. You can't. And they're they it's were kismet. really trying to like Olivia was maybe the first one who was kind of almost there because like starting in Disney is all because people used to always think that Taylor was in Disney. Mm-hmm. because of how because she, she was so rehearsed that? and manufactured right yeah. so like starting in disney like she you know selena was never going to be the new taylor and miley certainly was no, never going to be taylor demi no um so it's like here comes olivia and like oh that could be the new taylor only because she said it again and again and again and i just feel like it, it just i think she's like probably really learned her hand. lesson i have a feeling oh, yeah. she has I think that I um, anticipate very heavily the second um, full length release from Olivia Rodrigo because I think it's going to be different because I think she's, I really think there are people telling her to pivot away from this new Taylor Swift thing and like go on her own sort of path. So I think that whatever she does next is going to be more true to like what she actually is going to wind up being as an artist. And she's going to be older and wiser and she's going to be embittered by the industry that she thought was so amazing when she first came in. And Mm -hmm. now she's realizing it's going to be really interesting. I'm excited. She has, she has that dark glimmer in her eye, as we mentioned, like she has this kind of like feralness. She's dark sided -sided. and Taylor is not (laughs) dark sided. Taylor is like very, um, you know, happily a little ray of sunshine in general, you know, in general, I think she's a generally has an anxious, but positive outlook on the world. And I would say that Olivia has more of a suspicious outlook on the world. Um, and Taylor is like not a very skeptical person. That's that's part of the reason why she's such a great artist is because she's super earnest and very candid. Olivia, I think, you know, including complicated in the set for the Sour Tour was a very clever kind of treat to see how her fans were going to respond to this kind of music. Some of them are going to be hearing it for the first time in, in the audience of her shows. So, I mean, to kind of gauge the public reaction to Olivia doing that kind of song on such a big scale signals to me that they are seriously doing a pivot at the moment and I am happy to see it. I think it's going to be great. I mean, I'm, I'm just sort of tired of the sour era. And it's like, I want to repeat, like, I know I've said like, um, it's maybe not an era sort of like, <laughs> it's like, five songs. well, I, I, it's, it's the sour, um, Event. It's something. Let's call it, it's it, something. Event experience. Um, I, I know I've said some like kind of evil things, but like I genuinely am more indifferent to her than it it may seem. It's just like I find it frustrating, um, and I'm sure she does too. The fucking constant comparisons is frustrating. How she's just like being forced onto stage with a barely a set list and barely a clue what she's doing, and like all the shit. And it's like none of this is actually. Uh, she her needs fault. a break. So I think she needs I to go have... away for a while. She needs a break and she needs to get out of the public eye and people need to stop talking about her for a little while so that she can come back and it's sort of like coming back fresh 
Yeah. And build anticipation too. I mean, look at what happens every time they say that you can't like, I mean, everybody's so scared that you might not capitalize on every single moment, but look at Lord. I mean, even when the album is bad, the anticipation (laughs) that kind of like leads up to the payoff is huge. And I think Olivia needs, uh, she doesn't need to do three years, but she could take a six month break for sure. Easy peasy. I would, I would say a year minimum, but I think a six month break of her going somewhere and using her new coin and traveling and falling in love with people, you know, age appropriate and writing her little songs and getting watercoloring or whatever it is she wants to do. Like she needs that time to decompress and to find a center, you know? Yeah. And I think that would only do her well in the creative sense because, um, I'm interested to see what she can actually do given the time and space to do it. Because I think there's something there. Like I really do. Like, yes, no, I don't think she's the next Taylor Swift songwriter because nobody can be. But she's like compelling she in her has, own way. She's creative and she comes up with shit. So I want to know what she's coming up with. I just want her to lean into that more. I, I think she needs to lean into the anger and less of the melancholy. It's like, okay, you seem like you have a little bit of, I read somewhere that she listens to Rage Rage Against the Machine, which really kind of surprised <laughs> me. But also then I was like, oh, this actually makes sense. And I feel like if she stopped trying to do the Taylor Swift thing, then she could find the Olivia Rodrigo thing quite quite quickly. Well, I think actually. also like when the, when the Courtney Love thing happened, um, Olivia said, and it surprised me, I don't know if this was true or not, or if she was just trying to save her ass, but she was like, no, I love Hole. Hole's the best. I love Hole. And it's like, I thought- I believe I her, like, actually, I believe her. I've I seen enough her. of these weird things. I she loves Paramore. Her. Yeah. Like I, she, she definitely has like a little bit of a, a it like, you know, hot topic, punk rock girl. Yes, an Avril. She has an Avril-esque a Haley Williams even perhaps a bit of a virtuoso you know she's a good singer yes when she's not like overworked and about to pass out I think I think we're getting to the core of the issue here she uh, she's not a ballad writer I mean she can have a ballad on her record but she tried to just make ballads it feels like to me and it Mm -hmm. just like flopped Eh, she was like how many how many all too wells can I write before I get to one all too well and the answer was <laughs> and a million and close. zero. She yes. hasn't even The answer close. was you can write a million and you will never close. get one. So that's She hasn't even gotten to like cold as you. She hasn't even gotten to like the archer. She, I, mean- I, I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, cold as you is too high of a bar to clear. She hasn't even gotten <laughs> to, you know, a daylight moment. Actually, you know what? Oh. I think- Daylight would 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 fit on sour pretty well. So maybe she did get a daylight. <laughs> yeah, she had a daylight. <laughs> she, <laughs> she had her daylight, but literally yeah. nothing else. Um, well, so I think that we can conclude this episode by saying that we genuinely, literally wish nothing but good things and success for Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, um, I all I all I hope for is that this Taylor Swift thing like blows over and everybody mm-hmm. just kind of like forgets. Because I don't, I don't want to spend my whole life watching Taylor Swift versus Olivia Rodrigo because it could get, it could get bad. It could <laughs> like get it could bad. Get I don't want it really to. ugly. And the thing is that like Taylor's inclination is to kind of go that way anyway. And again, gorgeous devours pretty. Like it's not gorgeous going to look good. Pretty. No. And <laughs> well, it's like also, be, it's like, there will be blood. There will be blood. But I just want Olivia to come up with her own goddamn thing. I'm not saying that she's directly copying Taylor, but like come up with something else yeah. for the next record. And or look it'll to probably a different muse. Get a different muse. Yeah. 
get a different muse. Go go talk to Avril for like a, a couple yes, hours. Yes, and also and you tailor out. as your muse is what you're really trying to say is that you love a bunch of different things because Taylor truly is so versatile, as we said, as an artist that when you say that you like want to be like Taylor Swift, nobody fucking knows what you're talking about because she's done like a million different things. It's like, okay, do you want to be a country Taylor Swift? Do you want to be like a We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together? Do you want to be like a folklore? Do you want to be like a reputation? Like there are different <laughs> archetypes. Who are you talking about? Like Literally. what do you want? Who's this Taylor Swift? That's a very nebulous <laughs> figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we can wrap it up there. Uh, Madeline, can you believe that we talked about this for two hours? No, I'm actually really surprised. I was really surprised when I read the Google Doc. I was like, what the fuck? How does he have this much to say? But then I, I guess I had that much to say too. There's a lot to say. <laughs> Thank you guys okay. for listening to this episode of The Evolution of a Snake. And we will be back in your ears soon. Certainly not with 2015 part two. That will come in 2023.